0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Physician Assistant Study Session. I'm your host, McKenna Morgan, and this week we'll be kicking off cardio with conduction disorders. All right, everybody, welcome to Chapter 2 of PA Study Sesh. Thank you guys for continuing to tune in. I apologize for the delay in posting of this episode I had gotten it all recorded and squared away, and then realized that I had completely skipped atrioventricular blocks, which of the topics we're talking about today I think are the most tested on. So, my mistake, so we're re-recording right now, and we're including AV blocks. Uh, My apologies, hopefully it will be worth the wait. A little note as we enter into cardio, today we are discussing conduction disorders, However, I am making the assumption that you know how to interpret an EKG. Just for the sake of simplicity, I want to keep the cardio episodes relatively brief, even more brief than ortho, because I think each topic is very distinct, and it just becomes a lot of unique information, whereas ortho, at least the treatments are all generally the same, cardio is not quite that... uh, systematic. I will however be doing an episode specifically on interpreting an EKG just to keep like I said succinct, separate, um, and an easier reference for those of you that want to know about the specific disorders versus just kind of a beyond the boards how to read EKG. That being said I think boards really give you an easy EKG to interpret. They're not going to give you um, very ambiguous EKGs, in my opinion. Uh, It was very obvious to me if it was a ventricular dysrhythmia or an atrial one, etc. So again, that was just kind of my reasoning for keeping them separate today. Okay, I think that's everything we need to talk about before we dive into the material. Uh, So let's just go ahead and get it on with our questions. Anticoagulation therapy is often recommended for patients with which arrhythmia? atrial fibrillation What disorder is associated with a delta wave on EKG This is Wolff-Parkinson-White What block is associated with an R R prime or an R S R prime pattern in V1 This is a right bundle branch block Okay So today, I have divided the material into disorders involving rate, and then we're going to just working from proximal to distal. So then we'll talk atrial, then we'll talk junctional, and then ventricular dysrhythmias. So starting with the newest one, this is specific to the January 2019 blueprint. However, of course, it's fair game for anything before January 2019, is sinus arrhythmia. And this appears as a normal sinus rhythm but the rhythm is irregular. This is a normal variant, and you'll notice that the rate increases during inspiration. No treatment necessary. Next up is sinus bradycardia. This is defined as a rate of less than 60 beats per minute. The number one cause of this is vagal stimulation. Stimulation of the vagus nerve increases the production of acetylcholine which basically means increased parasympathetic activity, so increased rest and digest, so therefore your heart rate will go down. Treatment for this is atropine, which is an anticholinergic drug. So that makes sense. We're doing the opposite of acetylcholine with an anticholinergic drug. The opposite of this is sinus tachycardia, defined as a rate over 100 beats per minute. Treatment here are vagal maneuvers, Adenosine, beta blockers, calcium channel blockers, and digoxin. Basically, these are all the things that we can use to slow our heart rate. The V and then ABCDs. So again, those are vagal maneuvers first and foremost always because it's the least invasive. And then ABCD, adenosine, beta blockers, calcium channel blockers, or digoxin. Next up is sick sinus syndrome. And this is a combination of sinus arrest with paroxysms of tachycardia and bradyarrhythmias. So treatment here is a permanent pacemaker if they're symptomatic. Also, if they have episodes of VTAC, ventricular tachycardia, they need to have a pacemaker with an implantable cardioverter defibrillator. Okay, so that's everything having to do with rate. Moving on now to diseases of the atria. We're just going to start with a premature atrial contraction called a PAC. And this is an abnormal P wave followed by a QRS complex. It could be unifocal or multifocal. And afterwards is what's called a non-compensatory pause. And what this means is that the next normal P wave is not where we expect it to be. And why this happens is because the uh, abnormal current, for lack of a better word, resets the anone, so it starts that clock over for the rate. It's usually benign. However, it may increase the risk of arrhythmias if there's other heart abnormalities. Next up is atrial flutter. These are described as sawtooth waves on EKG. Treatment, and for treatment for all of these, we're going to divide it into a stable, unstable, and definitive. So treatment for this is, if it's stable, they get vagal maneuvers, beta blockers, calcium channel blockers. If it's unstable, they get synchronized cardioversion. Definitive treatment is ablation. Similar but far more popular is atrial fibrillation. This is the number one chronic arrhythmia. And this is irregularly irregular with a narrow QRS. If you ever read irregularly irregular, it's AFib. Here there's no distinct P waves. There are oodles of causes, uh, which is probably why it leads it to be the number one chronic arrhythmia and why it gets tested on so much. A couple things I just want you guys to remember is that it's often associated with hyperthyroid states as well as atrial enlargement. This will lead them to an increased risk for clots This makes a lot of sense, the blood isn't moving out of the atria, so then the blood pools and forms clots. Treatment here for stable is rate control. Beta blockers are first line, such as metoprolol. Then you can use calcium channel blockers, and you're gonna use the non-dihydropyridines, such as diltiazem or verapamil. And then you move on to digoxin if they're hypotensive or have congestive heart failure. Unstable 8 bib gets synchronized cardioversion. We'll also need to use some management, like I mentioned in our warm-up questions, that they need anticoagulation. And the first choice we want to use what's called non-vitamin K antagonist oral anticoagulants. There's two of these. The main ones are factor 10A inhibitors, and these are called the Xabans. XABAN. So I remember that they inhibit factor 10A because the first two letters are X and A for 10A. Mechanism of action for these is that they bind to antithrombin 3. A uh, little side note here I think I'm going to do a separate section on pharmacotherapy as like its own chapter for everything, but introducing these little nuggets for uh, repetition sake. Another drug that is a non-vitamin K antagonist is uh, dabigatran. This is a direct thrombin inhibitor. Another form of anticoagulation that is used in AFib is warfarin. We're trying to shy away from this, but it's pretty cheap. um, We'll use them if other drugs are contraindicated. It's uh, really finicky. It depends on um, a lot of factors. Their diet, They have to get them tested often. Uh, They're reaching for an INR goal of 2 to 3 is what you need to know about that. Another one, this isn't an anticoagulant. This is antiplatelet. So the um, final recommendation, if all other drugs are contraindicated, is dual antiplatelet therapy via aspirin and clopidogrel. But this is less effective than anticoagulant monotherapy, so definitely try to pick one of those other three drugs first. Moving on now to paroxysmal supraventricular tachycardia. This is called PSVT. There's several subcategories, so I'm going to try and not make this too confusing. The least common type is called AV reciprocating, and there's an accessory pathway outside the AV node. And this is further divided into two categories of Wolff-Parkinson-White and Loun-Ganong-Levine syndrome. I remember these these go together because they both have a kind of a sandwich with their initials, WPW and LGL. The more common type of PSVT is AV nodal reentry. And there's two paths within the AV node. One is slow, one is fast. Regardless of the pathway You can have a wide or a narrow QRS complex, and it just depends on which pathway is taken first. So jumping back into Wolf-Parkinson white, again, this is our AV reciprocating subtype, and their accessory pathway is called the bundle of Kent. And here the ventricles are uh, pre-excited, and they can develop tachyarrhythmias as, as a result. An EKG in a person with Wolf parkinson white will have a delta wave, which basically means a slurred QRS, and I kind of like to think of it it looks like a little bit of a candle, an EKG. This is a wide complex PSVT in that they have a wide QRS, but they have a short PR interval. Management for this, we want to avoid the AV node blockers because the current may preferentially travel down the accessory pathway, which is not the way we want it to go. Talking now about lown ganong levine syndrome. The accessory pathway here is called the Bundle of James. And this too has a short PR interval, but a normal QRS. So if I ever see a short PR interval, I'm automatically thinking PSVT. And then I look at the QRS if I want to look at Wolf-Parkinson-White or long Levine. Okay, so management of all PSVTs. If it's a narrow complex, you want to do vagal maneuvers. Again, this is increasing the acetylcholine and decreasing the heart rate. Medical, then we move on to adenosine and then beta or calcium channel blockers. So ABC. If it's wide complex, we want to use procainamide if we're susse- if we're suspecting Wolf Parkinson White. Otherwise, we can use amiodarone. If it's unstable, regardless of narrow or wide complex, you want to do synchronized cardioversion. And a definitive treatment for this is ablation, and that we're destroying that abnormal path. Hopefully that makes sense. So we have this big umbrella of PSVT. We can divide it into wide and narrow complex and then further divide that into AV nodal or AV reciprocating. Hopefully that made sense. Okay, moving um, further down, we're talking about bundle branch blocks. I'm really going to boil this down for you guys. Basically, you just want to look at leads V1 and V6. Alternatively, you can look at V1 and lead 1. When you're thinking about the placement of the EKG, V1 looks at the right side of the heart, V6 or lead 1 looks at the left side of the heart. In a bundle branch block, you're going to have a wide QRS regardless of whether it is left or right. And for me, I took a calculated risk when I was setting for boards, and I just wanted to learn what I needed to look in V1, and frankly, it worked. So, um, for the left bundle branch block, you have a deep S in V1. It kind of looks like a carrot. For completeness sake, I'll also say that you have a broad R in V6. With a right bundle block, you have an R, S, R prime, or an R, prime in V1, and these look like rabbit ears. And you'll have a wide S in V6. So, how I remember this is that you have an RR prime in right, and it's a rabbit. So you have R RR, Right, RR prime, rabbit ears. And then the left is the opposite, so they need carrots. But they're both in V1. And then I didn't care about looking at V6. Like I said, in practice, this would not be useful, but for boards, it's going to be obvious. Okay, hopefully you guys can uh, cope with that idea. Treatment uh, depends on the symptoms and the causes. We'll just leave that there. Okay, moving on to atrioventricular conduction blocks, AV blocks. Here we're looking at the PR interval. This is what is the important feature here. The first, we have first degree heart block. This is a constant prolonged PR interval, which is greater than 0.2 seconds. Here every P has a QRS. We just observe these. Second degree AV blocks are divided into two types. You have a Mobitz type 1, which is also called a Wenckebach, and the uh, PR interval progressively increases then a beat is dropped. How I remember this is that I really thought about a DJ. DJ Mobitz Wenckebach. He increases the beat, and then the beat's dropped. Then I also remembered that you have to be 21 to go to the club. 21 DJ Winky Buck. Second degree. Type 1, 2, and 1. I know, it's crazy and it's silly. I also had this thought, (laughs) this Instagram post that was, uh, PA school, the only time when a dropped beat is silent. I know, corny joke. Uh, Anyway, just recapping. Type 1, Wanky Bach, DJ Wanky Bach. PR progressively increases, then he drops the bait. Treatment is atropine, but only if they're symptomatic. Type 2 doesn't get a cool DJ name because they don't have the buildup. It's a constant PR interval, and then all of a sudden, there's just a random QRS dropped. This is the more serious type, I will say. Treatment, uh, atropine, or temporary pacing. Uh, Permanent pacemaker is recommended for definitive treatment of type 2 because they have potential to progress to a third-degree block. Again, I want to recap these because I think boards really like to question about heart blocks, especially second-degree blocks. So type 1, DJ Wankybuck, PRI, progressively increases, then drops the beat. Type 2, constant PR interval with random drops. Third degree blocks. Here the P waves are not associated with the QRS at all. You can take your little caliper and you can march through and you'll have all the P waves doing their own thing and then all these random... uh, QRS complexes on their own rhythm. Treatment here is a pacemaker. Okay, that's everything from the atrium and the junction. Moving on now to the ventricular disorders. We have premature ventricular contractions called a PVC. And with any ventricular disorder, we're going to have a wide, bizarre QRS. It looks a little bit like my signature. Uh, It's just kind of a scribble. Here we have a compensatory pause, and this is where the next P wave is where it's expected to be, because the SA node is still doing its thing, so it's going to put that P wave right where it needs to be. Uh, as far as PVC goes, and this terminology applies to PACs as well, um, I think you just really need to know this terminology, and that's about it. If there's greater than one morphology, it's called multifocal. If it's every other beat, it's called bigeminy. If the PVC is every third beat, it's called trigeminy. And two in a row, is called a couplet. There's really no treatment needed for PVCs. However, it can predispose you to other ventricular arrhythmias. All right, next up is ventricular tachycardia. This is three or more consecutive PVCs at a a rate of greater than 100 beats per minute. Treatment, if they're stable, we wanna do an antiarrhythmic, such as amiodarone. If they're unstable, with a pulse, we do synchronized cardioversion. If they're pulse-less, we do unsynchronized cardioversion, which is called defibrillation plus CPR. And so I've been mentioning synchronized cardioversion throughout this episode. This is that you're syncing the current with where the normal heart impulse would be. If they are pulseless, there is nothing to sync to. Therefore, pulseless rhythms get unsynchronized cardioversion, aka defibrillation. Make sense? A form of VTAC, I'm pretty sure that we've all heard this before, is torsades de point. Treatment for this, in addition to any cardioversion, is they need IV magnesium. Okay. Two left, and that's it. Again, like I said, I want to keep these cardio episodes very brief. V-fib, ventricular fibrillation. They're generally pulseless. So that means they get unsynchronized cardioversion. And CPR. And finally we have pulseless electrical activity. Here they have a rhythm on EKG but they have no pulse. So here we're gonna do CPR plus epinephrine and monitoring for those shockable rhythms. Okay rounding off with a few review questions. Name four drugs Perhaps classes of drugs used for rate control. These are adenosine, beta blockers, non-dihydropyridine calcium channel blockers such as verapamil and diltiazem, and digoxin. Describe the EKG findings of atrial fibrillation. This is irregularly irregular with no distinct p-waves. What two arrhythmias are associated with a short p-r interval? These are our uh, initial sandwiches, Wolff-Parkinson-White and lam OK, guys, that's it. Uh, five takeaway points from today. Number one, a pulseless rhythm equals defibrillation a.k.a. unsynchronized cardioversion. Number two, AFib is irregularly irregular. Number three, anticoagulation before antiplatelet in AFib. We prefer Zabans over warfarin, if we can. Number four, rate control equals vagal maneuvers plus ABCD. And number five, right bundle block is rabbit ears, Left bundle block are carrots in V1. I'm going to add a sixth one in here because I think it's that important. Remember that a Mobitz type 1 Wanky wankybock is progressively increasing the beat and then it's dropped. Okay, everybody. That was episode one of cardio. I hope you guys liked it. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, I would love to hear them. We are at P.A. Study Sesh on Facebook. Or you can send me an email, P.A. Study Sesh, S-E-S-H at gmail.com. Please head over to my website, P.A. There you can find the updated blueprint for those of you who are taking the pants after January 2019 we we'll also have other resources there for you. All the show notes, everything there for your review. I'd like to thank Lee Rosevere for the use of his songs Curiosity and Tech Toys for the intro, outro, and question portion of our podcast. And let's see. Uh, next week, we are going to be talking all of the stenoses and regurgitation murmurs. So basically, valvular disease. And I uh, hope you guys uh, enjoy enjoy cardio so far. All right. Have a great week.